Hey, this is Bradley Weber. I'm the pastor of Release City Church, and this is our podcast. I'm super excited that you tuned in, and I really hope today's message encourages you, gives you a sense of hope, and inspires you to pursue all that God has created you to be. Now, let's jump right in to today's message. God is good. Ooh, Corey, you got me turned up, and all the time. So, Pastor B called me like Wednesday or Thursday. We pretty much talked every day this week before he left. And he's like, what you got? <laughs> well, he had said something the last time he spoke before Miss Rachel was here about leaning in. So, the transition video um, was about relationships. And the title on our itinerary today was lean in or something about relationship status or, or something. Somebody say, but God. But God, and me and Pastor B are really, really tight, and I know that I have his blessing in, in changing everything, so Miss Tammy, you don't, you don't even have to put that on there, because we're not talking about relationships today, but we are going to talk about leaning in, but it's not about leaning in to our wife or to our relationships with others. It's about money. Y'all want to finish this for me? Money, 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 money. It was all right. It was all right. So Rachel said something last week that really stirred something up inside of me that not really has been dormant, but that I've always felt like is, is a gift to mine. And she said something to the effect of there's something inside of you that bothers you or that, or that quickens your spirit that doesn't bother everybody. And for me, it's always been like budgeting and numbers. And some, some people that know me back in school, I was really, really good at math. And that was, that was my thing. And when she said that, it just resonated within me that budgeting and giving and all of those things set you free, set you free. And me and my wife have been faithful givers. And like I said, Bradley has no idea that I'm preaching this message. I don't get paid, so I don't want the devil to, to come into your mind right now and say, oh, this is about money. No, this is for you guys. This is something that me and Sarah, along with many others, Paul and, and Janelle, have walked in and know that God is faithful. And, and a lot of ministries preach these messages at least once a year. And when God placed it on my spirit, because I was studying, I was studying for, for the lean in. And me and God were having conversations about leaning into your spouse. And, and all of that stuff is true. You got to put the work into it to get it out. And, and same goes for tithing. You've got to put it out there to get it back. And we're going to hit a lot of scriptures today that talk about that and verify that with God's kingdom. And it's, it's very structured and it's very strategic. God's kingdom is, and he's faithful, and you can't outgive him. You can't outgive him. So I just want to talk to you this morning about money, 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 money. Because does it resonate with anyone to hear financial freedom, to hear anxiety free, to just live, to just live and know that God's got it taken care of, that the devil cannot touch you. I'm not even going to read you guys Malachi 3 what is it, 316 or 314, whatever that, when you tithe, it's there. The floodgates of heaven are there. The open heaven is there. And we're going we're gonna to break this thing down because I've put a lot of work into, into this message as far as the types of giving and, and what that return looks like and what that motivation is, probably in a way that you've never heard it before, but that's always been my gift. And I've listened to T.D. Jakes and Jesse Duplantis and Creflo Dollar and all of those preachers that I have a great deal of respect for that are super duper knowledgeable 
and I've pieced all of those things together that they've said, and I've slapped it on this paper for you to try to bless you today so that you can be set free. Ready? Ready? John 3.16, because love gave first. For God, everyone knows this one, so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God gave Jesus. That was step one because he loved us. And because of that love, he had to do something. Because I can tell Sarah and I can tell Bryson and I can tell my little girls and you guys that I love you, but if I don't ever do anything and, that, and, and that's all that it is is, hey, I love you, hey, I love you, but I don't ever have an action behind it, how do they really know? How would we really know that God loves us if it wasn't for Jesus who sacrificed everything for us so that as we give what we work hard for, which is our hard-earned dollar, he gave first and he gave everything. He gave it all. Mayor, I'm going to get you out of here on time, okay? I didn't see you this morning, but I'm going to get you out of here on time. That's a little joke between me and Mr. Jimmy. Every time I'm preaching, he's always like, hey, you going to get us out of here on time? I'm like, yes, sir, I got you. So, there was an action behind God's love. In the same way that we give a gift to someone, not because they expect it or we feel obligated to give it, but because we love them. It's a natural response to our human nature as a way of showing somebody that we truly love them. There's an, there's an action behind it. And the same can be said for tithing. But first, before we get there, I want to talk about giving requires a vision. Anybody in here got a vision? Anybody in here got career goals? Anybody in here got something, a, a debt or something that they're working towards or something that they want to put on their property? For us, it would be a pool. And I hear, from it, I hear about it from my little girls and my wife all the time that we need a pool at our house. It doesn't matter what kind. It doesn't matter how big, but we need somewhere we can get wet because them little girls are about swimming. Oh, and speaking of those little girls, I forgot to tell you, I know this message is the right message because every time I get ready to speak, when I'm on the wrong thing, it's like there's nothing, there's nothing there. It's just silence. And when I was speaking to God about lean in, as far as relationship goes, it was just silence. But the moment that I rolled over and, and began to think about money and began to think about giving and tithing, crazy things started happening. I had two little ninjas in my bed this morning. One was JC and one was Jenna. And I got the worst night of sleep last night that I've gotten in quite a while. And we just got back from the beach and our bed was like laying on this platform. It was so hard. But those nights of sleep were great compared to last night with those two little ninjas. So this, this is for you if you'll grab it and you'll receive it and take notes on it. So giving requires vision. Proverbs twenty nine eighteen, Where there is no vision, no redemptive revelation of God, the people perish. But he who keeps the law is blessed, happy, fortunate, and enviable. That's the amplified version of the Bible right there, Proverbs 29, 18. I encourage you to take notes because this, this is, this is rev revelationary. Warren Sapp, who's a, who's a pro bowler, seven-time pro bowler and Super Bowl champ, said this, shoot for the moon, and even if you miss, you will be deep amongst the stars. To follow that up, Michelangelo said, the greater danger for most of us lies in setting our aim too high, is not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. I botched that, so I'm going to read it again because that's so powerful. And when it comes to our finances and what we're capable of here in Levy County and, and where we can go with those finances, 
Michelangelo said, the greater danger for most of us lies not in setting our aim too high and falling short, but in setting our aim too low and achieving our mark. Settling, being complacent. Complacency in law enforcement is a dangerous thing. It's a dangerous thing and it can get you hurt. Maybe not so much on the financial aspect, but when it comes to the job and the career field that I'm in, complacency, they preach to us all the time in training. Complacency is our most dangerous enemy. The most dangerous one is getting complacent, not paying attention. T.D. Jake said, God gave you a vision and you ran into trouble. That doesn't mean the vision wasn't real. It just means that much is required of you to get to that next level. Power. Some of the stuff you're going to hear today, you're going to say to yourself, is not very spiritual. It's not, but it's practical. And Dennis Weber, who I admire dearly, said this one day, and I wrote it down, and I still have it today. If it's not spiritual, it's practical. But if it's practical, it is spiritual. Because God's practical. Everything in the Bible is practical. It's logical. It's relevant. It's simple. It's simple. And what I'm going to say to you today is simple. Dave Ramsey says this. I love Dave Ramsey. I'm actually thinking about, um, I've talked to Bradley about this, and I don't know how many of you are interested, but I'll go ahead and kick it off right now. Um, it's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time is put on Dave Ramsey's class here in the church, um, maybe starting like in September. So everybody's in the groove of school. Um, it's a nine week course. I think it costs like $80 a person, but it comes with all the materials that you need. We'll meet like once a week in here, maybe like on a Tuesday or Wednesday evening. We'll watch some videos together. I'm going to take the course probably before you guys. So I'm, I'm familiar with it and kind of kind of put that course on. But Dave Ramsey is a phenomenal financial advisor. Phenomenal, like life-changing financial advisor. And he said this quote, he says, live on a budget. A budget tells your money where to go instead of you wondering where it went. Woo! Live on a budget. A budget tells where your money, a budget tells your money where to go instead of you wondering where it went. How many of you have a budget? I'm just curious. How many of you have a budget? I make this much money, and this much money has to go out for me to survive. About half. I encourage you, if you don't have a budget, sit down and do a detailed budget of how much money you or you and your spouse or whoever is your financial providers, however much money you bring in, and how much has absolutely got to go out. And see, and see what that looks like. <laughs> and, I, and I have one. But I'm, I'm here to tell you, and I, I'm pretty sure some of you that raise your hand will tell you, having a budget's great. <laughs> but it don't always work like that. When we bought our first vehicle together, when she was getting ready to start nursing school, man, it was simple. All we had was Bryson. He was young. Our bills were there, and everything was pretty simple. Everything was pretty consistent. There wasn't a whole lot of variables in it. But now, a lawn business later and two more kids later, crap happens. Man, that budget's great, but I'm like, holy smokes, what is going on? But in the midst of all that, I'm here to tell you, as a, as a faithful giver, God's got you. God's got you. I will confess to you, as, as the budgeter that I'm up here trying to tell you that I am, I am far from perfect. There was a time back probably a year ago where I, we had not sat down and updated our budget since probably late 17 or late 18 because those of you that know me know that I built I built my own house over the course of about three years and you ain't doing no budget during that it was all God like how much we were going to owe when it was over and making choices about this tile and that tile and this floor and that floor and this insulation and that insulation 
Whew, you, you don't have enough time in the day to sit down and try to budget all that stuff out and say, okay, this is how much it's going to take to build my whole house, and this is how much you know my payments are going to be a month. We, just, we were just living off of faith. We were just living off of God. So with all that being said about budgets and how great they are, there's still the factor of but God, and he's got you. He's got you. He will not leave you. I promise you he will not leave you. He will not forsake you. When you're a faithful tither, he will make, play, he, he will make things come out of nowhere that you did not see. And, and going back to what I, was, what I was saying to finish that up was when we redid our budget, <laughs> we were in the red. We were in the red. Not by much. It was only like 40 bucks, but we were in the red. And we had been living like this for years. Not one extra dollar of, of debt. Not one extra dollar of credit card debt. Not one. Been living in the red on paper. What sense does that make? It doesn't. It doesn't. But God. But God. So I'm going to give you four types of giving that I find in our Bible and that I've learned and, and studied and, and, and wrote down and, and listened from other pastors and we're going to hit a couple of the easier ones first, a couple of the quicker ones. So if you're taking notes, I'm going to try to go through these pretty quickly because they're pretty simple. Number one is alms, A-L-M-S, alms. We all know what alms is. Alms is giving to someone in need, giving to someone in need. I'm, I'm going to venture to say that every one of you in here at some point in your life has given to somebody in need, something. It didn't have to be money. It could have been your time or a resource that you had or a trailer that you had for somebody to move or or time that you gave them to help them move. It could have been anything, but that's alms. Acts 3.2 says, And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they had laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. I'm going to read you a, like an anchor scripture for every one of these givings so you know and, and can confirm that they're in the Bible. Like this is biblical giving. Matthew 6, 1 through 4 says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. That's alms. That's alms. It's not prideful. It's very humbling, actually. And that's why you're asked to do it in quiet and not say, oh, well, I gave this much to Operation Backpack. No, do it in secret. The motivation behind alms is simply this. It's compassion and sympathy. It's compassion and it's sympathy. And I'm going to be really, really transparent with you. The couple times that I've, like, given, it's not, all, it's not always, like, a feel-good moment. Like, I, gave, I filled up a lady's a gas tank a while back at the gas station. She didn't even tell me thank you. Like, <laughs> in my spirit, I'm like, how much do I give her, Lord? And I like the, the budgeter in me like says, like, all right, 20 bucks will get her where she needs to go. Like, this is just a little puddle jumper. Like, she can go a long ways on 20 bucks. But no, as I'm holding the trigger down, I just, I feel him like, don't let it go. Don't let it go. So like 50, gas is cheap, y'all. Like $56 later in this little, like half the car must be a fuel tank. 
it finally clicks, and I'm like, thank you, sweet Jesus. And then she gets out of the, so she was sitting in the car the whole time. Like, she didn't say a word to me other than coming up to me and asking me if, if I could give her some gas money to get where she needed to go because she was out. And she had tears in her eyes, and it pulled on my heartstrings a little bit, and I was like, Lord, I'm going to do the right thing. She gets out and checks to make sure that I had the gas cap closed, and she gets in her car and drives off. Not another word. I'm like, you heifer. So it's not always, or at least for me, it's not always a feel-good moment. But however, <laughs> however, I do want you to know this. You cannot go wrong. You cannot go wrong because here's what God says about alms. Your rate of return for alms is reimbursement. It's reimbursement. And it's found in Proverbs 19:17. And I do not read King James Version, but this is the version that I have here for you because it says exactly what I want it to say. Some of the other versions don't quite speak as specifically to this as I, as I liked. So it says, this is going to sound funny because it's King James Version, but it says, He that hath pity upon the poor lendeth unto the Lord, and that which he hath given he will repay him again. And that which he hath given he will pay him again. So regardless of how you feel when you help somebody, if it's out of reluctancy or you just are doing the right thing because you know that's what God wants you to do, but it don't feel so good when you leave, you're going to get it back. That $56 is back right there. Right there. And I, I did a message up here one time, and I had a chair sitting right here, and I was talking about coming into contact with various people and, and just giving them just a little bit of Jesus. When you're faithful in those things and you do your part, you may, you may not change their whole life. You may, not, you may not turn that chair all the way to where they're facing back the other way and they're going to go a new direction, but you've turned them a little bit. And the next person that they come into contact with down the road, that's a God appointment, turns them a little bit more. And so on and so on and so on so that they come to a point that eventually they've run into so many Christians and people that love Christ that they say, holy smokes, I'm not even the same person that I was. That's how it happens. We don't always get to see get to see the full turnaround, but we can be a part. And when we get up there, we're going to see it, and there's going to be a reward for it. Amen? Alms, one of the only four types of giving that is not given to God because you're going to give it straight to a person. It's given in secrecy to not only protect the dignity of the person, but to keep you humble. But to keep you humble. And I have this in all caps because this is extremely important. I don't want to forget to say it, but it, it really applies to all of these. Never replace any of this with your tithe. Like, don't, don't take your tithe money and turn it into alms. Because, like I told you, the Bible is extremely specific, and there's levels. Don't, don't take your tithe and turn it into alms because that rate of return is different. Like, this is Dave Ramsey's extremely practical stuff right here, Okay. If I knew that I could put my money somewhere and get 5%, but I took half of it out and I threw it into something that was only 2.5%, you're losing. You're losing. Don't do, don't do that. Your alms is your extra. And a lot of these things that I'm going to talk about is going to be your extra on top of your tithe. None of, none of these do we replace with our tithe, okay? I just want to be very clear in that. Because this, like, like Tomajo was saying, being up here is not easy. And it's a huge responsibility. And talking to you guys about something that's this critical is a huge responsibility for me, and I want to be very clear. So if y'all need my notes when I'm done, I'll give them, I will give them to you. Giving number two is called first fruits. Not super popular, 
um, but they're called First Fruits. And I just Googled it just out of, out of curiosity um, when I was doing my studying and my preparation work. Even Google knows what First Fruits is like. In a, in a biblical sense, of course, Google knows everything, and we'd be messed up without Google. But even Google immediately, right at the top under First Fruits, referred to what the Bible says First Fruits is. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. So, Ezekiel 44.30, talking about first fruits. The best of all the first fruits of, your, of, your, of all your special gifts will belong to the priests. You are to give them the first portion of your ground meal so that a blessing may rest on your household. Furthermore, Proverbs 3, 9 through 10. I see some people writing. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. Simply put, the motivation for first fruits, the motivation for that is generosity. You say, Adam, what's first fruits? I got you. It is your first increase. So you make, just for easy math, you make $1,500 in two weeks. Well, you get a raise through your employer that now allows you to make $1,650 a week. That first $150 extra that you receive is your first fruits. Is your first fruits. What does first fruits do? What does it do? It shows God that we're not in love with money, but rather we're in love with him. That's what that is. It's the acknowledgement of, you've allowed me to do this. You've allowed me to receive this increase. You've placed me here to receive this increase, and I'm going to acknowledge you with the very first increase that I receive. That's all that it is. That's all that it is. It's showing gratitude to him for that first blessing. And it means a lot, because right here in Romans eleven sixteen it says, if part of the dough offered as first fruits is holy, then the whole batch is holy. If the root is holy, so are the branches. That's pretty powerful. So if you give him that first increase, for the rest of your life, that increase is holy. And the devil can't touch holy. He cannot touch holy. That's first fruits. Super simple there. Number three is tithing. Number three is tithing. What are you missing? That scripture? Romans eleven sixteen, talking about the dough. If the first part of the dough is first fruits is holy, the whole batch is holy, the root and the branches. Number three is tithing. Tithing. And I'm sorry, this is not really a preaching message, but it's for us. It's for us. Number three is tithing. So, given to someone in need, even though I kind of countered this, in a way, it makes you feel good, right? You were able to help somebody, regardless of what their, what their reaction was. It still, it still makes you feel good. Your first fruits make you feel good because you, got, you just got a bonus. You just, got a, you just got a raise. And you know that after I give that first one up, the rest of it's mine, right? So it makes you feel good. Tithing really don't make you feel good. It should, but it doesn't. And I'm speaking that for, for myself. It wears because it's got to be consistent. It's got to be consistent. It's not going to come without a fight. And it's not going to come without a struggle. I got some lifters in here. I got some football players in here. You bench press the bar 50 times. Is it going to really do you much good? 
Not really, right? Not unless you do it a lot, a lot, and that's the type of workout that you're doing. But you got to put some weight on it, right? You got to feel some tearing. You got to feel some pulling. You got to feel some strain, right? It's got to be hard. That's tithing. But as in Malachi 3, tithing opens up the windows of heaven. Think about a tidal wave just constantly behind you. And it moves and slows down with whatever speed you're moving in life. But that wave is constantly following you. That's tithing. That's tithing. And I'll make it simple for you. And I say this all the time. And I must say it so much that Bradley even said it up here the other day. And I think he even said Adam says this all the time. So I'm going to say it again. If you have the mindset of, God, you saved my soul, so I trust you, it's easy to give him that 10%. It's easy. If you never do anything else for me ever again, you have done enough. You have done enough. This is yours. My health, my salvation, my family, my children, all of that protection, all of those blessings is enough. It's enough. So let's look briefly into the life of Jacob as we're talking about tithing. In Genesis 28, 22, Jacob was not a giver by nature. He was actually the opposite. He cheated his brother Esau out of his birthright so that he would inherit double of his father's inheritance, okay? And he took advantage of his father-in-law, Laban, so that he would receive more from that situation as well. So he was, he was a thief in essence. But one night, Jacob met God in a life-changing dream, and when he woke up the next morning, he told God, all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Jacob wasn't motivated by law. He was motivated by love. He was motivated by love, by his love for God. Whatever it was in that dream, it changed. It changed something in him. And he says, the same mentality that I just gave you, all that you've done for me, I'm going to give you this. See, you can give without loving. You can give without loving. Some folks give under pressure. Others feel obligated or others do it to impress. Some big businesses do it for, for a tax income reduction. Like, there's, there's many reasons why you give, but you can't love without giving. You can't love without giving. Like I was saying about telling them I love them. If there's no giving there, if there's no time there, if there's no effort there, if there's nothing there, it's not love. It's just noise. It's just noise. And when you love, it's in your DNA to give. When that person means a lot to you and you think of them often, you'll do something for them. You'll do something for them. It's the same goes for God. If you love God, you'll do something for him. Another bullet under tithing. You're never more like God than when you're giving. As I said earlier, he gave us Jesus. You're never more like him. Whenever you're giving, whatever it is, whether it's your tithe, it's your time, it's your effort, it's your love, you're never, you're not more, you cannot be more like God than that because God gives. He provides he is. He is a provider. One of my favorite scriptures, Matthew six thirty three, Jesus said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. See, tithing's about putting God's kingdom first. When self, when home, when business, when family, when materials, when all of those things take the place of your tithe, your priorities are out of whack. And I don't, and I don't mean to be a, too much of a straight shooter, be on your toes too much, but I'm just being real with you. When all of that stuff comes first, your priorities are out. They're out of sync. 
they're out of sync and, and the blessing there is hard to receive. And, it, and it's hard to tell people that. Like, I come into contact with people who talk to me about that kind of stuff because they kind of know, you know, where I am as a, as a young 30s um, person as far as finances go and, and, and what God's blessed me with. And it's really hard to tell somebody, hey, your priorities are out. They're messed up. You don't have stuff straight, so you can't expect that kind of stuff from God. It's, it's not how it works. It's not how it works. Tithing reverses that order and puts God where he rightfully belongs, and that's first place. When you acknowledge him first with what we work hard for, he's first, and he knows he's first. When God instructs us to tithe, he tells us to establish the habit of putting him in the number one slot as a life principle. When you do, Jesus said, all these things you're so concerned about will be added to you. Matthew 6, Powerful, powerful scripture. And here, here's another mindset issue for you, and, and I'm speaking to this stuff from, from what goes on in Adam Hires' mind, is it's easy for us to say, I'm going to give God my tithe. No, 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 no. Say, I'm going to give God his tithe. His tithe. Because, see, here's what happens. You say, well, I earned it, so it's mine. But no. He puts you in that place. For you to earn it. He gave you the capabilities of doing everything that you're capable of doing. So therefore, it's his. It's his. Psalms 24.1 makes it very simple. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof the world and they that dwell therein. What is that saying? That's saying he owns every square foot of real estate. <laughs> She's cute. That's saying that he owns every square foot. No, she, she's no bother to me. She's fine. I'm a dude. You should hear my house. <laughs> if you don't believe me, ask my mom and my uncle right there. What my house? Y'all know. Y'all see them two little blue-eyed blondes running around after church? Man, sounds like a circus. I can tune that out, no problem, buddy. <laughs> yeah, that's nothing. That's not even like on the decibel reading compared to, compared to my two. Let's go, let's go. So what that scripture is saying, Psalms 24, 1, is he owns everything already. He owns every piece of land, every cattle. He owns us. He gave us our abilities. It's, it's very clear. So we're not an owner. We're a steward. Leviticus 27.30 says, A tithe of everything belongs to the Lord. we got to get our thinking right on this issue. Because if we can get that mindset down, it, it becomes easy. And even as much as I wanted to say that he was wrong, Jamie Nash, if you all know him, he works for Farm Bureau, good, dear friend of mine, sat in our living room as the budgeteer here was struggling with life insurance and that payment that I did not want to make but I wanted to make sure that my family was taken care of. And he said, after a while, it's just going to be, an, it's, just, it's just, you're not even going to feel it. You're not even going to recognize it. And I hate to say this, but Jamie Nash, you were right. After a while, you get used to that, and it's the same with tithe. It's, it's automatic. It's automatic. I don't know where it's at in here, but it's in here somewhere. The, the power of a made-up mind cannot be underestimated. When you have it made up in your mind, that because of everything that you've done, because of everything that you've given me and continue to give me, I will continue to give you this. 
once your mind is made up on that, it's automatic. And, and God is my witness, me and her, when we first met and we first um, started having those deep conversations about how we wanted to live our lives, I told her, I said, I will starve to death before I quit giving to God. When you got that mindset, there's some power in that. There's some power that the devil can't touch right there. No, you will never. You'll never starve to death because he's going to take care of you. In God's eyes, 10% of our income is dedicated funds to be used for one thing, and that's his purposes on earth. Some of us, a few of us have been in here to know that just this section right here, just this section right here, would have filled up the church where we were when I started. Guys, if it wasn't for what you give, this wouldn't be here. You would not be sitting here this morning. It's because of what you give. And this message is not to try to expose or try to guilt like we have a solid core of givers in this house. Bradley says it all the time, and I'll reiterate it, um, being on the financial committee of this church. We have never in the history of this ministry been in as good a financial standing as what we are right now. Dennis Weber would not mind me telling you this, but there was a many, and he, my witnesses are right here, a many a Sunday in that old facility that we did not have enough money to pay Dennis Weber for being the pastor of our church. And he didn't care. And he didn't care. We are not in that situation anymore. Y'all, I update you on the building fund every time I get a chance. We're not there anymore. And it's because of your giving. It's because of your giving. So be encouraged that you're affecting the kingdom. Because you'll hear people say out there, Oh, you know, y'all are trying to build a mega church or no. To me, it looks like pretty, pretty, pretty practically that if this was all the people that we were reaching, we're not as effective as what we're reaching now. That's the way I see it. That's the way I see it. And I've said this before, too, and I'm going to say it to you again. I'd rather 90% of my income be blessed than 100% of it be cursed. Come on now. I'd rather 90% of my income be blessed than 100% of it be cursed. John D. Rockefeller, who, who many consider the, the wealthiest American of all time, said this, one of his most famous statements. I never would have been able to tithe the first million dollars I made if I hadn't tithed my first salary, which was $1.50 a week. <laughs> Wow. When I read that, I had it in my, in my notes from, from, an, old, um, from an, old, an old sermon that I gave, and I was like, $1.50 a week became a millionaire. I'm not saying you're going to become a millionaire. That's not what this is about up here, just to be clear. But what I'm saying is you'll never want, and you'll never worry. You'll never be in need because he'll take care of you. And the desires of your heart, when you delight yourself in him, he'll give them to you. You got to be patient. It's not always in your timing. I got a brand spanking new 40 by 60 pole barn at my house right now. And it don't have a shovel full of concrete under it. Because concrete right now is like liquid gold. 18 grand to concrete a pole barn floor. So it's not always your timing. Because that should be done already so I can get all that crap that's in my garage, and put it in the pole barn so I can put my vehicles in my garage because that's what I built the garage for, was for vehicles, not for junk. See, it's not always perfect. 
You gonna float me alone, Mom? <sighs> That's right. Don't even bring that up. <laughs> Don't even bring that up. All right, all right, all right. All of our hearts should be concerned with reaching the lost. And tithing isn't just how the church raises its budget. It's how God raises his children. Like I told you, Bradley don't have no idea this is going on right now, but I know that he trusts me. I'm not paid by this ministry, so don't, don't get it twisted. I'm, I'm, I'm up here for you guys and for what I felt like God wanted me to put in your lives so that y'all can live the way that her and I are blessed to live. And I'm not, like I said, I'm not a millionaire, and I'm telling you you're going to be either, but I'm telling you God will take care of you. Can't say that enough. The Bible says in Proverbs 23, 26, Son, daughter, give me your heart and let your eyes observe my ways. When God has our heart's deepest affection, we will give gladly, not grudgingly. The first man in the scripture to tithe was Abraham. Why did he do it? Gratitude. Because God had delivered him from the hand of the enemy who was out to destroy him. So I'm here to ask you, has God delivered you? Has he blessed you? Bring all those things to the forefront of your minds for, for some of you in here that, that may not be faithful givers, and it'll help, and it'll help. And for those of you like me that have tithed for a very long time, when, the, when you get that little seed back there that says, man, if I just held on to this just one time, I could do this, I could buy this, I could get that done, don't do it. Don't do it, because a blessing's coming. That's, when, you start to, when you start to fill that upstream, that means a blessing's coming. See, the devil can't touch your stuff when you're a tither because it says you live under an open heaven. The devil don't live under an open heaven, so he can't touch your stuff that's under an open heaven. But when God allows things to start happening that doesn't align, we know a blessing's coming. As soon as something starts acting stupid, a blessing's coming. Oh, hey, Cole, by the way, my truck's air conditioning still works. So those of you that don't know that story, how long ago was that now? Probably five, six years ago? I mow grass on the side. That's another part of this message is if you want, you got to go get it. You got to go get it. I mean, the Bible's very clear. If you don't work, you starve. So get out there and go get it. There's means of making money in this world now that weren't available 20 years ago. Find a way to make more income if you're not happy with what you make because it's out there. So I get done mowing grass one day. It's as hot as it has been out here the last couple days. And I swing it by Cole because it's blowing hot air. And he hooks it up to the machine, and he's my witness right here. He runs it on the machine. I don't know what, he, what the brother did. I don't know what the brother did, but it started blowing cold air. And I said, what'd you do? He's like, nothing. It still works to this day. <laughs> Can't make this stuff up. <laughs> but God, come on, brother. God will always give to giving people because he can trust you. That's T.D. Jakes. God will always give to giving people because he can trust you. So let's talk about this, and I love this scripture right here because it is so twisted in the world. 1 Timothy 6 through 10 says, For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from their faith in their greediness. That tells me two things. Number one is most people say money is the root of all evil, false. And number two, it's people that have strayed from the faith. So we're not talking about all the celebrities that think they have to have a house in every state and 27 vehicles. No, no, no. 
We're talking about people that have strayed from the faith because of the love of money, which is why I'm here to tell you that you might not be a millionaire because, see, God cannot bless you with more than what you can handle because it will corrupt you, which is why the Bible repeatedly talks about to the measure of which you give, you'll be given. A cheerful giver is better than a reluctant giver, right? It's better to give than to receive. All of these things are that bar that says, I can give you this much, but if I give you this much, it will corrupt you. So the more you give, the more you get, because the more you're willing to let go of, the more you can receive without it corrupting you. That's why that scripture is so powerful. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness. That is 1 Timothy 6 through 10. Thank you. I think I forgot to say that. 1 Timothy 6, 10. Nope. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. I'm sorry. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 10. See, money's a powerful thing. All of you would agree with me on that. Sometimes it's hard to make. Sometimes it goes a lot quicker than it comes in, or it seems to be that way. But we got to all agree. It's, it's what makes the world operate, and we have to have it. We have to have it. And Creflo Dollar said, said it like this one time. A lot of pastors will say, you're not meant to be rich, or you're not meant to be wealthy, or if you're rich or you're wealthy, you're evil, because money's evil. No, that's wrong. God wants us to be wealthy. God wants us to live in abundance. God wants us to be able to take care of financial needs so that when somebody needs something, it ain't, hey, brother, I'll pray for you, or hey, sister, I'll pray for you. No, it's, hey, I got you. I got you because I got extra, because God's given me extra to give to you. See, Pastor Walter Brashear, one of Dennis's dear friends, didn't even know me in the old church, called me up as a young Christian, didn't even know my name, and he made me hold my hand out like this, and he said, I'm just here to tell you that God's got a message for you today, and it's this, that if you'll keep your hand just like this, money's going to flow through it, but it's got to flow, because the moment that you squeeze it tight like that, it's going to quit flowing, so you've got to keep it open, and that goes up for every single one of you. Money's meant to come and money's meant to go. It's not meant to be our idol. It's meant to be a tool. The moment it becomes our idol, we're done. God's shutting it off because he doesn't want to corrupt you. But the more you can use it as a tool and it doesn't affect your heart and it doesn't affect your mind, it doesn't affect your spirit, more is going to flow through it because it doesn't touch you. But the devil wants to make it twist. The devil wants it to twist and become an idol so that you no longer serve God with it. You serve yourself. So what's the motivation for tithe? It's simply this. It's obedience. It's obedience. Tithing is the divine connector to the blessing. I'm not going to read it to you because you've been read it a thousand times. Malachi 3.10. Malachi 3.10 is the scripture that we stay under an open heaven. We stay under an open heaven. Number four. This is it. This is it. And this right here is where some of you guys are nailing it. And I get up here and tell you when I get to do tithes in the mornings, a blessing's coming. A blessing is coming. And number four is seed. Seed. This is it. Seed. Genesis chapter 26, verses 12 through 13. And Isaac sowed in that land and reaped in the same year a hundredfold. That's a hundred percent. That's what that means. Can you imagine a CD 
offered by a bank, says, we're going to give you 100% interest. Man, y'all would walk up out of here right now and go to the bank and beat the doors down to put your money in that. That's what God can do for you. That's what God can do for you. The Lord blessed him, and the man became rich, and he gained more and more until he became very wealthy. Proverbs 11, verses 24 through 25, says, One gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and one who waters will himself be watered. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. This is talking about seed. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 7. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And then there's Luke 6, 38, not trying to kill you with scriptures, but I want you to understand the importance of seed. Luke 6, 38. Give, and gifts will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, they will pour into your bosom. For with the measure you deal out, it will be measured back to you. You can't outgive God. You cannot outgive God. 2 Corinthians 9, verse 10. He who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will supply and multiply your seed for sowing and increase the harvest of your righteousness. The motivation for giving seed is faith and reward. Your seed is anything in addition to your tithe, not a substitute. I'm going to say that again. Seed is anything in addition to your tithe, not a substitute. You can't take your tithe money and substitute it for other things. It doesn't work that way. Mark 4, 8 says, And other seed fell on good ground and did yield fruit that sprang up and increased and brought forth some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. I think about that parable of when the man left and he gave each man the same amount of money and one man buried it, the other one invested it and got a small return and the other one invested it and got a large return. And when the man came back, he was disappointed at the man who buried it. And I don't know about you guys, but being in law enforcement, I'm, I'm, I'm funny about my money. I'm funny about my money because I don't trust things that go on on higher levels. But when God has your back, you can trust him. And what I mean by that is there's CDs out there right now here's practical for you, that are 5 and 6% that haven't been 5 and 6% for a long time, in case you weren't aware. I think Seacoast is offering one right now for 12 months. It's like right at 5.5%. That's pretty good return considering the inflation. For those of you like me, that'll put a bunch of cash in the safe and it's doing absolutely nothing. It's doing nothing. Go out there and get a return on what you've earned and worked hard for. That's practical. Just practical. So your seed is anything in addition to your tithe. It's the eggs for the Easter event. It's the bikes and bears at Christmas. It's Operation Backpack. It's the building fund. All of that stuff is in addition to what you give as your tithe. And you guys are phenomenal. We've bought our own piece of property. Our building fund, I didn't look at it, but it's probably 42000 just guessing. 
I mean, that is, that's phenomenal. And the best is yet to come. I wish, and he can see it, but Dennis is proud of what's going on right here. Dennis is proud. And when we get out there, it's going to be fulfilling to have our own building in our own place. And it's coming. And it's coming. So, your seed offering is the only way to receive the 30, 60, and 100 fold. Dave Ramsey says this, If you live like no one else, later you can live like no one else. William Ford and a bunch of them really, really, really wealthy Christians said this, In the beginning I gave 10%, and now I give 90% and live off the 10. That's powerful. That's powerful. So some of you, and I'm going to challenge you right here, and, and, and I keep stuff close to the vest, but I feel like God wants me to share it with you. Give more than 10%. A while back, me and Sarah felt a nudge, and it was, hey, you've been giving this much for this long. Give more. Give more and continue to up that percentage and watch God be faithful. Watch what God does in your life. I bought a lawnmower to start a lawn business to supplement some income, and it's probably got 1,300 hours on it and I put a $25 ignition switch in it and a battery and a couple belts over the last seven years, and it's got 1,300 hours on it. You can, you can live and say, ah, coincidence, or ah, good vehicle, I don't live, or good mower, I don't live that way. That's God. Air conditioner fixes itself. When does that happen? You can say, ah, I think crazy things happen. No, that's God. No, that's God. Crazy things happen every time. God bless Every time I preach, my air conditioner at the house goes out, and it's usually something extremely simple, or they come out and basically say, I don't know, and it just works. They just turn the breaker off, let it sit for about 30 minutes, kick it back on, and they're like, you're good to go. I'm like, man, that's God. That's God. Giving seed is the surest way to debt cancellation. And I want to share this with you, and this will be shared in the Dave Ramsey class. By the way, how many of y'all are interested in taking that, just so I can get a feel? Who would be committed to come once a week for a nine-week course? Yeah, that's enough. That's enough. So he, he, believe, he believes in the snowball effect, and I'm just going to go ahead and share it with you because it's something that I've lived by. Take your smallest debt because your income is going to remain. Your income is pretty consistent for most careers. Pay off your smallest debt, your smallest snowball. And when you pay that off, let's say that was 50 bucks a month, small credit card or something. You pay that off. Take that 50 and apply it to your next biggest debt. And now you're plus 50 in on, every, on, on that payment every time. And then when that debt gets paid off, take that, let's say that payment was 300. Now you got that extra 350, hit that next one. It's not, a cure, it's not an overnight cure, but it is effective if you'll be obedient. It's effective. And like I was telling you, don't forget to place your seed in fertile soil. Where you put your money, the backpack operation, the Easter egg event, like all that stuff is so safe because you're affecting God's kingdom. And when your care is about his business, his care is about your business. He'll take care of you. So just make sure wherever you're putting your money at that it's on fertile soil. Don't throw your money to things that have no impact. No impact. Practical, that's all I got for you. I'm done. But I'm here to tell you, God wants to bless you. He wants you to feel financially safe. He wants you to feel financially secured. I don't know if this is what you came here for this morning, but it's what he wanted you to hear. Because I was getting nothing 
on Lean In. And the moment that I started thinking about what Rachel said and what bothers me that doesn't bother most people, God just started pouring stuff into my, remem- into my memory of things that I've talked about and the different types of giving and just all these quotes by these wonderful men and these wonderful pastors. And I knew immediately, I'm like, that's it. That's it. We got the wrong screen up there, the wrong transition video, but this was God. This was God, because I'm not here to waste your time. And I want you to grab a hold of this and give it a ride for a little while, and you'll never go back. You'll never go back. I'm going to ask my fellow elder and brother Paul just to come pray over you, and I'm going to leave you with one last quote from Dave Ramsey. Because it's, it's, it's hard, and I understand that. It's hard. When we started giving, we, had, we didn't have much. And all, and all of those things were in play, family, blessings, not making us pay a mortgage for a little while so we could get our feet up under us as young adults, me having a, a child out of wedlock. God will put people in your life, people that will help you, people that will get you there, and then you throw God into the equation, and it's limitless. The potential is, is limitless. But it is fearful to start giving stuff that you work hard for. It, it, there's a fear to that. So here's Dave Ramsey for you, and, I, and I'm done. Fear is the enemy of hope. That's Dave Ramsey. Fear is the enemy of hope. I love you guys. I hope you got something out of this. Well, thanks again for tuning in. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. For more content from Release City, or just to stay connected with us, be sure to check us out on all of our social media platforms at Release City Church or through our website at releasecitychurch.org. We love you, and until next time, the best is yet to come.